Once again, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, probably, um, my name is Daryl. I'm the senior leader here at Oasis. I probably want to be where everybody else that's not here. I probably want to be where they're at. But, you know. But I've chosen to be here with you guys because you're, you're special to me. That was a good save, right? <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up here, but uh, Lisa did. And the one thing I've always enjoyed about Utah is the, the great outdoors we have. I mean, it's just from south to north. The place is just a beautiful place. And uh, uh, I enjoy being outdoors. I would prefer to be outside than inside. And there's, uh, it's just a gorgeous place. I remember, I think it was in 1973 or 74, a friend of mine and I went to Atlanta to, uh, he had somebody that he knew that got, was getting married. So we traveled to the east, Atlanta, got married, that went to a wedding. Then we were coming back through and we decided to go from Atlanta to Oregon and uh, we drove through Utah and there are I-15. And at that time, everything west of I-15 literally didn't exist. Uh, it was everything east of I-15. And so we're, I'm coming across, and we stop here, and we got gas. And I come across, and I'm seeing this, the, the downtown set up against the foothills there. And I'm going, that's right, quite an interesting. And I thought how pretty of a place it was. And little did I know, see, if I was a prophet, I would be listening to God. And he said, Daryl, you're going to come here and pastor church. But I wasn't. I was in denial. I was moving on to Oregon. Uh, so, but anyways, I, I just never forgot that time when I just saw the city nestled against the Wasatch Front there and how beautiful I, I, I thought it, the, the setting was and, and curious. And I didn't know much about Utah. Actually, the first time I've ever been here was 1973, 74. Anyways, um, we've been going through a series just started last week that uh, I called JWJ. Now think about that. What could JWJ stand for? Well, it stands for Journey with Jesus. Um, and it's, we're, we're really focusing on the life of Jesus, starting from the time that he was... Um, uh, starting with John the Baptist, which we talked about last week, where he, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then we're going to go through all, we're using all four Gospels, and we're just going to continue to go on and, and talk about the, the major events of Jesus' life. And the truth is, that depending on your background, or maybe you didn't grow up in church, maybe you grew up in church and going, look, I don't know about church, you know, or maybe you had an encounter with somebody on the street and they were telling you you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Maybe you got confronted about your lifestyle and all those kinds of things, and you've just got a really bad taste about church and Jesus, Right? You know, and I, growing up, I've had one of those experiences as a teenager. I was um, living down uh, on the beach, and somebody walked by, and uh, the window to our, the, our apartment uh, was right on the sidewalk. And I mean, everything down in, and it was 
place called Manhattan. And this person with a Bible in their hand stuck their head to the window. I'm drying off. It just came out of the water, drying off, and said, do you know Jesus? And I went, Jesus who? And the person began to tell me that I, how much I needed Jesus. And, you know, I, it was, the person was pleasant. It was a pleasant conversation. And I thought, well, you know, I'm a good guy, uh, kind of. You know, I was good in between these ears anyways. Uh, and so I reacted to the fact that they were trying to tell me that I was, you know, not so good. And uh, said, no, I'm fine. Thank you very much. You can leave now. And they did. Gave me a, a track. And that was really my very first encounter with somebody telling me about Jesus. And now I had been to church a couple of times as a child, but very, I was very young. So I didn't really have any kind of religious upbringing or anything like that. And then about a year or so later, um, I did have a conversation with somebody that I knew and I trusted and I, I went to high school with that had a profound encounter with God and I could tell the difference in this person's life. I could see the difference. I knew this person. We went to high school together. We did things together. I knew this person. And it just took me back. And at that point, I said, something is different about him. And that just set me on a, just a different journey. And then I discovered, I discovered, before I even set foot in a church, I discovered that Jesus was who he said he was. Before I even, actually, I went to Bible study before I went to church. And there's this, this, this whole surge and this whole community of people that were just, they come to Christ and we're excited about about living a changed life. Well, that's, I understood, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I had an an encounter, a personal encounter with that Lamb. And um, so we want to continue that discussion, um, remembering that Jesus came to introduce something brand new to the world. And for the world. Something brand new to the world and for the world. He wasn't bringing in Old Testament 2.0. He wasn't just a continuation, but it was brand new. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All things, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Something brand new. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about our favorite topic. Temptation. The other day, I I was really tempted. I was tempted. I I was watching a couple of little dogs. I was going in, letting them out and feeding them. And I noticed that the yard hadn't been mowed. And I thought to myself, I'm tempted to mow this lawn for them. But I resisted. I resisted. And then, you know, my next door neighbor was out of town, and he was out of town for a week. And so I mowed his lawn. I failed. I was tempted, and I I did it. I mowed mowed his lawn. You know, or you wake up in the morning and go, Honey, 
You know that bonus we got? I'm so tempted to give it to, you know, uh, uh, to give it to uh, our, uh, our program at the church, you know, Christmas, the Christmas program that we have. At I'm just tempted to do that. Help me. Pray for me. You know, temptation isn't about being, you're not tempted to be selfless, are you? Temptation is always about being selfish, right? It's always about what you want. Honey, I'm tempted to keep this money and use it for me. You know, or, or you're tempted in all kinds of different ways. And I'm not, you know, I'm speaking to the choir. You guys, you guys understand what I'm talking about. You're never tempted to do good. Well, you don't look at it as a temptation. And, and it's not. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to step out of ourselves, isn't it? Isn't it easier to consume, be consumed with our own self-desires? Our own way of thinking? Isn't that just the easier way to go? I mean, I understand that I might, you know, you guys, we all struggle. We're all men and women of the same passions. We all, you know, the challenges of life. And so, um, remembering that Jesus came to bring a new covenant, a new movement, or excuse me, a new command, a new covenant, a new command, a new list of commandments, and the result of that is a new movement. And it, it is different. And it was challenging to the religious people of the day. Remember, as we talked about last week. Last week, the temple, the seat of God, the temple and the law of Moses was what was important to the people of Israel. And John challenged that. Remembering that John out of Isaiah 40 is the one from the, that came from the wilderness and calling out, Make way, prepare ye the way, prepare you the way of the Lord, for the Lord is coming. And John would say, I'm not even worthy to stoop down or to kneel down and untie his shoelaces. And so... Jesus comes, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus says, John, I need you to baptize me. And John goes, wait a minute, hold it. I can't, I'm not even worthy to kneel before me, and you want me to baptize you. He says, John, you don't understand. You need to baptize me. Listen to me. Just do what I tell you to do now. And so John does. And it says, the scripture says, immediately, immediately, Jesus was led. As we see in Matthew 4, 1 through 4. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the Son of God, Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And so here he set the scene. He goes out into the wilderness. And, and, and he's led there. And he's fully, fully God, fully human. As, as we read out of Peter. 
Fully man, fully God. And then Jesus responds to the devil. And Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he responds back. Now, this, you have to think about this, because we're, we're looking at Jesus here. Well, of course Jesus will be able to fight off the devil. He's Jesus, right? You expect them to win, right? But remember, he says that he had not eaten for 40 days, that he was very hungry, so he physically was probably very vulnerable, right? That's a good time to shake your head. I think you're right, Daryl. He's very hungry, you know, and, and, and so he, we know that he's vulnerable. And so when does, the, when does the adversary really come in, right? Probably when we're the most vulnerable and desperate. Wouldn't that make sense? Kind of a, at our lowest state. I mean, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. He knows how to tempt, tempt people better than anybody. I mean, he, tempt, he tried it with Jesus. And then Jesus responds to him and says, out of, this is out of Deuteronomy 8. Where, no, wait a minute. You don't understand. You can, bread. I'm not, we don't, I don't live by bread alone. But I live by the words of God. I live by the word of God. I don't live by just bread. There's something more powerful than just, you know, that, that's more filling than just bread. And so, you know, the devil didn't really argue with him. He just moved on. So he's challenging his deity. He's trying to pull him in to take the place and say, you don't need God. That's really what he's trying to do. You don't need God. And that's just a really good example for all of us when we're in that place of desperation and that place where you just want to take control. Because that's what happens. When you feel out of control, you need to find control. And when you find control, sometimes that takes us outside of that umbrella of God. Because you're trying to control your own life. And that's what the devil is trying to draw Jesus into. Take control. If you are who you say you are, turn these stones into bread. And you won't be hungry anymore. But he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't let up then. He, Jesus made it through that when he went on. So you go to Matthew 4, 5, and 7. It says, And then the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, If you're the Son of God, jump up, for the Scripture says, quoting Psalm 91, he says, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands. So that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And then Jesus replied, again, he knows the scripture. And, you know, he takes him to it. Now, some people might say, well, you know, they kind of walked over and got on the temple. And they saw, and they saw the, everything. And, they, and he said, if you know, you jump off, the angels will catch you and all this. I believe, because I think, I believe in the supernatural. I believe it was a blink and they were there. That's just my opinion, and, uh, and I would never argue that. But if Philip can be translated, I just don't think Jesus wants to walk a few miles with the devil and have a chat. I'm just saying, okay? 
I don't think that he's somebody he wants to buddy around with. Yeah, let's stroll over there and go to the highest peak and we can look over the land and you can tempt me. I don't think that was the deal. I think they were there. You make your own choice. And then Jesus said, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Have you ever, have you ever said, God, if you love me, you will do this for me. Hello? Okay, every one of you just, well, I guess. Every one of you, right? I know, I did too. I've done it probably more than once. But anyways. Um, or God, if you're really God, you will do this for me. If, if God, if this, I really want this. And if you really, really love me, you will make this work out for me. Have you ever prayed those kinds of prayers? Okay, guys. You're not being very honest with me today. <laughs> I know you have because you're like me. And that we do that. That's just, it kind of comes natural. I don't know why, but are we tempting God? Are we saying, when we, make a, when we ask a prayer like that, are we saying we know better for our lives than you do? Are we saying that? I'm just that. That's a question. You can kind of earmark that and think about it. Just think about that question. When we say, God, if you really care for me, this is what the results will look like. Are we saying at that point that God, you know better than God? That's why Paul um, said... And says, uh, Lord willing. Those are powerful words. It's, let me give you just maybe another way to approach that. Lord, this is how I feel about this. And, you know, I'd really, if, if it would be your good pleasure, I wouldn't mind having this in my life. But, if you deem that this is not good for me in this season of my life, so be it. So be it. Because I believe you have something better for me. How's that? Is that good? That's just, you know, that, you, that's, that's why you showed up today, right there. So here t- the devil's tempting him, and he goes on, and he says, um, well, let's just move on. Matthew 4, 8, 9 says this. The next, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed him everything, all the kingdom of the world. In other words, he viewed, he said, look, look at all this. And he, you know, he saw the beauty and the splendor of the world, the creation. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, here's, here's the devil and Jesus, and the devil saying, see all this? And Jesus going, yeah, I made it, you know, okay. <laughs> you know, I know, I know, I know it a lot better than you do. But he, you know, he just kind of let him, you know, put his foot in his mouth, and he says, "See all this? All this you can have. I will give it all to you." You know, it's like, really? You know, I'm, the, and you know, the Lord, the Jesus just went along with it, and he, and it was, you know, it was, you know, the Bible does say that Satan is the kingdom, uh, is the Lord of this world. And the truth is, you can see that he's the Lord of this world. Read the news. You know, 
No, do yourself a favor. Don't read the news. Read the Bible. Um, you know, I mean, but truly, you see, you see his fingerprints all over the place. The hatred. You know, the, the self-consuming. The accusations that, that you read in the news. And all these kinds of You just see his handiwork everywhere. You know, and Jesus sat there and listened to all of that. And the devil's offering this. All you got to do. And I'm telling you right now, the devil is still saying this to all of us. All you have to do. All you have to do. As he's calling upon your name. All you have to do. Is kneel down. And worship me. Now, worship comes in many forms. We, we worship with a form of how we live our lives. We worship with our money. We worship with our attitude. We worship in many different forms. But the devil's saying, if you, will re- if you will kneel down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. All of this I will give to you. It's in my power to give this to you. Hmm. He goes on and Jesus responds, you know what, just get out of here. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord God and serve him only. Only serve the Lord. You know what, and all three of those things, all three of those encounters that he had with Satan, we have often ourselves. I mean, he, the Satan, he, 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 the time frame might be different. The, the situations and the, and the offers are different, but he's still trying to get the same results out of everybody. He's still trying to get the same results out of all of us, right? Can you see that? Can you see what, what, how the enemy is always trying to pull us away from God to get us to be self-centered, self-reflective, and selfish temptation to bring us into a place where we begin to fulfill our own stuff versus Jesus said to be selfless. As a matter of fact, he, he modeled that to us. In Mark 10, 45, he said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He saw being selfless as a kingdom attribute. He saw that giving of yourself was the way, and as a matter of fact, that's one of the paradoxes, right? You lose your life to save it. That being selfless is, is, a, is, is a hallmark. It's a key of what, who we are as a followers of Jesus Christ. As you see in John 13, you become a person, what I call a person of the towel. You know the person of the towel? You know, remember when Jesus washes the disciples' feet? He became selfless. And you know, Peter, he comes up and says, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. He was kind of like John the Baptist. No, 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 you need to baptize me. You know, and Peter's going, no, 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 I'll wash your feet. And Peter, and he, goes, he says, Peter, he says, Peter, if I do not wash your feet, then you're not mine. Peter got it. He, he learned a little bit along the way. And he said, oh, not just my feet, Lord, wash all of me. Wash all of me, head to toe. I want to be fully yours, completely yours. 
You and you alone do I want to, want to serve. And Jesus would say in another place to Peter, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And, and today, that's a good word for all of us. Who do you believe Jesus is? Is he the Savior? Is that who he is in your life, the Savior? Or is he, as Doubting Thomas would say, my Lord and my God? See, that's always the issue. And you remember, if you haven't read um, in Acts or if you haven't read the New Testament, it's really, a, especially as you read through Acts, it's really kind of a good idea because what you find as you read in Acts that people are always trying to pull away from Jesus and, and put things on people that God isn't putting on them. For an example, um, here's a good example. For example, when the, the Jewish people became Christians, they kept their dietary laws, which is okay. You know, it's all right. They, that's the way they've lived. That's the way the household has always been. They kept their holy days, which again is fine. It's okay to have those. It's okay to embrace those things. And they discovered Christ in them. And so, so, so in a way, there was a cool awakening for them in the midst of all of that. All of a sudden, it was not just legalism, but they literally found life in those things because they saw Jesus in them, right? Now, where they cross the line, in my opinion, and I think Paul would, I agree, well, doesn't matter, Paul said this, um, is when they started telling others, the, the Gentiles, now who's a Gentile? Everybody that wasn't a Jew at the time, okay? So, um, when the Gentiles came to Christ, and they're flooding and they're coming to Christ, they began to start telling them, well, if you really want to have the fullness of Christ, you need to start embracing these dietary laws, and you need to start keeping these holy days, and that way you will have all the things. But Jesus said, look, I came and gave a new covenant. I'm giving new commands, and I've created a new movement. And that didn't apply. Those things did not apply. It was good for them. And Jesus said, you don't have to. He didn't say you should not do these things anymore. But it, it's not for them. And Paul knew that. He was very clear about that. And he, he, he had challenged that. He said, you guys do this stuff. I know. I'm a, I'm a Jew. I understand. I, I embrace. I, I encourage you. But don't put that on them. Because Christ hasn't put that on them. My only reason I say that is sometimes we do the same thing with others. You know, when they come to Christ, well, now that you've come to Christ, you've got to live your life this way. Right? And, in, and, and, and a lot of times we have great intentions involved, but maybe what we need to do is, is pray for people and, say, and ask them a question. So what, what are your challenges today? What are the things that you're coming up against? What are, what are you being challenged with emotionally? What are your temptations? Can I come along and walk aside of you and let's, let's discover what Jesus says about those things together? Let's, because I find people have a, people create depth when they say yes to Jesus, when they discover that Jesus is asking something of them, it's easier for them to give things up in their lives. When, they're, when they realize 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world has died for them so that they might be set free. See, it's easier for me to give up my stuff to Jesus than it is to a person. Sometimes God uses a person to challenge me about stuff. Probably more than I like, but anyways. Um, that's really another sermon, but you understand what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and that's what this is about. Jesus came, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Those of us who follow Christ understand that. He came to give a new covenant, new command, love the Lord, not, not just to fulfill an old one, but he said, establish what's new. This is what it's going to look like from this day forward. Now, you can read Matthew 5. I think Matthew 5 is something he taught all the time. I think it was just part of what he did all the time. When he was talking um, within the Jews or the Samaritans, he taught that stuff all the time. You know, it was a part of who he was. He says, you, God wants you to be free. I tell you this, you know, Moses gave you a right for divorce. I tell you, you even lust at a, wo- at a woman, you're in trouble. Hello. You know, what you and I might be able to control out of this, this is a whole other story between these ears, right? Come on, let's be honest. You know, you might not say it, but Jesus says, if you think it, I know, I hear, I feel your pain right now. But, but then that gives me hope. I said, okay, Lord, then you're telling me there is hope. I don't have to be like that, right? And then he goes on in Luke 9, 25. He says, and what benefit do you have if you gain the whole world? But you yourself are lost and destroyed. Right? You know, I, I, as a new believer, I still feel this way in my heart. I'm so excited to tell my friends and family about Jesus. I mean, I was just, you couldn't shut me up. And I'm sure they thought they wished they could. Um, and, and I was naive. I wasn't very wise in that, some of the things that I did. But really, what I, when, you find, when you find freedom like you find in Christ, when you find acceptance like you find in Christ, when you find you know, purpose like you, you don't find anywhere else, when you, when you discover that, really discover that, there's something from the inside out that happens, and you just want to give that to everybody, right? You know, you just want to, and, and I still today, I still want to give it to everybody. I, I had a not conversation not too long ago where somebody says, you know, I'm just not there. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, you poor, th- poor person. Because they didn't see the need for Jesus. I don't, I don't see a need for Jesus. And I'm thinking, do you want to wait until life gets disastrous before you call upon his name? I mean, a lot, of, a lot of us do that. Trust me, I, I get it. But when we don't see a need for something, we have a way, of, we, we, we ignore it, right? That's just our, our, our human nature. 
So Jesus came to establish his kingdom. And have you ever have you ever discovered, I'm gonna, as I kind of wind down here, have you ever discovered how pe- people miss abuse power? How they uh, abuse influence? How they take advantage of it and use it for themselves? How you, we see it all the time. We see that all the time. But in his kingdom, Power would be used for the powerless. In his kingdom, wealth would be used for those in need. And in his kingdom, influence would be used for those without a voice. See, that is what Jesus came to establish. And that is... 180 degree turn from the religious order of the day. This is true Christianity at its core. All of you have influence. All of you have power. And we need to take that which God has given us and use it for a voice for those who don't have. And, and, we, we have, and it's given in all kinds of different opportunities. Some small, some great. But to use your voice, your influence, the things that God's put in your hands, and use it for those who don't have for themselves. That is the kingdom of God. That is the order that God had it established. And that is why temptation is such a big deal because we get tempted and we don't do that, right? Let's do, I mean, we do it. We, we do it sometimes. Can I really be honest? Can I be just as frank as frank can be? We do it when it's convenient, right? We do it when it's convenient. That's, that's, let's be, hey. I'll, be, I'll stand in line first, okay? I'm not picking. I'm just this, this right here. But we do it out of convenience. Or we do it when it's self-promoting. Right? That is not his kingdom. That is not being a, a person of the towel, is it? That's not how God works. And somehow, we've allowed whoever, whatever, whenever, and it's all motivated by the devil, to think it's different, and it's not different. You take the power that God's given you, the influence that God's given you, and the resources God's given you, and you use it for those that don't have a voice for themselves. That is the kingdom of God. And that is a challenge. And, and, it, and I'll be the first one to say there's a balance to that. Now, we'll talk about this sometime in the near future. But I, I was thinking about it. Let's have the worship team come forward and we'll take our offering. But I want to say this. You know what the lowest denominator for me, were, when I started figuring out how to work my finances, I had to make it really simple in my head. Uh, and I want, to, I want to go by, say, I'm going to begin by saying thank you for your uh, faithfulness towards us 
and your sacrifice because I know that giving is a sacrifice. But what really helped me as I learned to give is, and I, I use a tithe of the, the 10% as a standard. I use that. So this is it. The lowest denominator, one penny per dime. Right? I'm going, I can do that. I can do that. I mean, man, I can put a penny in per dime, right? And then it just moves up from there. It's when you get to the 10 per 100, it gets a little, little dicey, right? Is that, is, I'm just saying if you use the tithe as a standard. I, I do. Uh, but that's where it gets dicey. Or a, a 100 per 1,000. It's going like, I need to get back to the penny here. Because this is way challenging, right? <laughs> you know, the penny is I can deal with it. So it's easier for me to start putting those pennies aside as it slowly comes in. Because when it gets bigger, the more challenging it gets, right? I'm just trying to give you a little help because I'm a nice guy. And I pick up pennies all the time I'm out, if I'm out. out but I, I'm not, I don't ignore pennies. I don't. I put it, I got a jar, I put pennies in it. Penny per dime. Think of it. Just think about that. A penny per dime. I give that to God, and he says, you keep 90. You keep nine, give me a penny. I think a lot of you can say, I can do that. But when you start moving up, just watch the emotion rise with it. Right? Just, I'm just saying. Anyways, uh, let's sing a couple of songs, and we'll finish up.